0: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Thank You Now What, a podcast about life after service. I'm your host, Matt DeBivo. This show is produced by Ben Murray. On today's episode, we spoke with Jenny Grace. Jenny's a U.S. Army veteran and served as an interrogator during Operation Iraqi Freedom. She started writing songs and playing country music after her dad mailed her a guitar on deployment. After the military, Jenny headed to Nashville to get a foothold in the industry, and she continues to record and tour all over today. We were able to catch up with her near her hometown in New Haven, Connecticut.
1: You know, if I just wanted to sing and write songs, that'd be great. I could be in the 90s again and get signed, but now you have to be a business person, and it'd be great if I had a business degree. I wish I had a business degree. I should have majored from that.
0: We hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for listening. Uh, David, are you manager, significant other? Okay, both or
1: just
0: not really. Well, he doesn't like to manage. Yeah, not really manage. I just kind of drive around everywhere, so. Okay, chauffeur. Uh, Exactly. Nice. Tear down. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Well, fun stuff. It's great to have you both here.
2: Thank
0: you. Uh, Of course. Thanks for you know making the connection, being willing to meet up. You know we're close but not uh not that close so uh met in the middle and yeah. uh got to chat about it originally just saw the music saw you know oif vet but you don't know, make a huge deal out of it which i think we'll get to a little bit later but you don't really think that in the middle of connecticut you're going to find country music but we're working to change that right
1: yes we are um you know, I, I was all over with the military, so I did get that background. I was stationed in the South, you know, had a lot of Southern friends, and I grew up with, you know, country music too. I mean, because everyone thinks it's just the South, but as you know, coming from the North too, a lot of people listen to country, even in Maine, like, you know, it's on the radio, so.
0: Yeah. So I'm from the north of uh, Massachusetts, okay. and a favorite genre when I was growing up. Uh, that people used to say was anything but country. So it's a little split. But I think maybe we've <laughs> we've come around maybe since the 90s. Yes. But, yeah, I was the same way. So, like, I you know, I don't listen to a lot of country music. Just, you know, that's what I listen to, like, who cares what I listen to. But, <laughs> um, but coming in the Army, being from Massachusetts myself, uh, you know, Meeting everybody from down South, Midwest, all over, going to basic training down South is, you know, a lot of postings down there. You just, you just hear it a lot and it comes with this like patriotic flavor with a lot of the content that we find in country music too. So you know regardless of where you're from if you serve in the military you're going to be at least exposed to it but were you a fan your whole life or wh- like what kinds of music did you get into growing up and did you play guitar sing other instruments how was it kind of early on for you
1: yeah, so I was the nerdy person being, like, 15, 16 that would listen to country and CMT, and they're like, oh, come on, Jenny, why are you listening to that? That's what my parents listen to. Like, I don't want to hear Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dunn. I'm like, I was just always that, like, kid that was into it. You know, I used to watch the CMT Top 20 Countdown. Um, so, and, you know, I definitely started playing guitar when I was younger, but not seriously, because... I was, like, too, like, hyper of a kid to sit down and play instruments or learn my voice. Like, I wanted to be outside playing sports, playing games, you know, so I really didn't get disciplined to sit down with an instrument until I was, like, 20, and I was already in the military, so kind of a late bloomer.
0: Did you just, like, sing and dance around like kids do, or you just, I mean, you didn't touch any instruments, piano lessons, anything like that from your parents?
1: No, uh, just uh, the singing came very natural. So a lot of times people would force me to sing. I didn't want to, but they're like, oh, you have something. You know, my mom was like, you can sing. She would kind of rewind tapes. I'm dating myself, but she would rewind cassettes to to have me sing again. So people knew I could sing, but it was always the pressure of like, oh, now everyone's going to look at you and it's going to get quiet. And I was just like, uh, I hated that part. You know, as a kid, I just was like, I couldn't deal with the pressure.
0: Yeah, like. What, like, family gatherings and yeah, stuff? everything.
1: They'd just stop, like, my parents' friends would have parties, and they'd just stop. Like, oh, can, we want Jenny to sing. And I'm like, no, oh, this is the horrible part. So I'd have to turn around, face the wall, and, like, no one look at me. And then i start belting it out, and they're just like, oh, my God. You know, and it's just, I didn't like that attention. A lot of people do like it, and a lot of kids know, like, early on, they're like, oh, I want to be famous. But I just, you know, was, I didn't have that. Yeah.
0: So how's the how's that like difference between being a performer cuz there's a few things that would drive you to music i guess right one like playing an instrument or or like writing music itself two uh songwriting which we'll talk a, a lot more about uh or just like being a performer right like the the people who have the same thing in common with like a magician except that they sing mm-hmm. so uh you know it's it sounds like the singing is what drove you.
1: Yeah, kind of. You know, it, it was healing. And my mother, you know, she had three kids. She was like in school. She was trying to be a teacher. Her life was kind of hard. So she's always she would have me come in her room at night and sing. Like, for her, it make her feel better. And I'd, like, you know, it was, like, her little midlife crisis like, oh, i got to have my little 10-year-old daughter come in and send me some country music. And I was, like, come on, mom. This is your therapy. <laughs> so, you know, that was that. And then, you know, when I was 20, when I was in the military, writing was really, like, what got me into this. I was, like, okay, there's more of a purpose than just being a star and having everyone look at me and me singing. There's actually a healing part to writing. And that's when I was, like, okay, this is what's driving my purpose.
2: So. Okay,
0: so you joined right at high school, you yeah. said, and you were an interrogator. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was always into the FBI and the CIA. I used to watch that stuff with my dad on History Channel. Like, I was just into crime stuff, and they gave me choice. Like, do you want to be a medic? Do you want to like do psyop? And I was like, no. Let's let's do the contract that has. Top secret clearance and all these cool things. I was like, "Oh, this is, this is exciting. And mm-hmm. then I got myself into it. <laughs> so signed the contract and you know how that is. So.
0: so I guess you have a menu of choices and then you just said, hey, this sounds fun. It'll be like, you know, Stalag 17. Yeah. Or just...
1: I, I mean, I, obviously it's everything different than you picture in the movies. But there definitely was some moments, which I'm sure you know, that you're just like, wow, like is this really me? You know, having, like, a, a three-star general look at me and, and ask me in a meeting, and I'm, I literally turn around, I'm like, this person can't be talking to me, like, not me. And it, he was. And, you know, you get those kind of moments in the military where you're like, wow, like, this is a purpose, you know? So. Huh.
0: What does it look like for, like, a teenage recruit coming in and learning how to do this?
1: A teenager for, to come into music or?
0: Uh, the, no, 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 The mil, your military job, yeah. right? I mean, like, because oh, yeah. when I think about who is, like, questioning me, I think about, you know, somebody who's, like, a bit older, maybe knows a bit more about me, oh, yeah. can intimidate me, 100%, and, and, 100%. and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they, they beat the hell out of me in training, of, you know, because I was, like, 18, 19, and they're like, come on, kid, like, you don't know what you're doing. I didn't have a huge history background. I tried, but... You're 18. What do you really know for history? You don't have... Some of these kids came in with, like, PhDs. Okay, that's hard to argue with someone in the booth. But, you know, I just tried to... You have to outwit the person, so... And you have to be good at manipulating and all this stuff. And you got to find their, you know, their, what makes them tick. So, even though if you're young, you can still have, like, talent to do that. And I think I was decent at it, so...
0: Okay. And, and I mean, time is in your favor, I think, as an interrogator. Because mm-hmm. you can pick it up later you can have multiple sessions right. you can uh you know i'm sure they they cover in-depth in all right. the tactics you use during school and stuff so do you put this to use right away do you deploy right away how does your like early career start to look like
1: yeah so i deployed pretty quickly like maybe a year and a half to 2 years after signing up so as you know, it's really quick. You get a lot of courses thrown at you, and you're just kind of put out there. And then the courses are very different from when you're out in the field. You know, you just kind of wing it. But, yeah. you know, luckily you have the best of the best next to you as your coworkers and your command, and then you can get through it. You know, it's you're not alone. That's the one thing that's easier. So
0: Yeah. So what is your – I mean – What does your life look like in training and getting ready to go overseas? And then, you know, how's it different from when you're actually there and when you're doing the job for real in a combat zone? How does that feel?
1: Yeah, it definitely was intimidating, Um, you know. And you really, I always felt like, why did we even learn this stuff? A lot of the stuff I learned was very Soviet-based. I'm sure they've updated things now, but it's... None, none of that stuff really got updated for the Middle East. It was kind of like, you know, this was what we were doing. But, you know, you, you just get through it and you have people with you, like your battle buddies, whatever you want to call them, who really are doing the same thing as you. And like I said, luckily you have – if you have a good leadership, you can get through it. It's not like being a cop where you're going out to a car and you have to go talk to somebody by yourself. You're always with someone in the military. So that was like – the easier part, not easy, but you know, the better part. So
0: Yeah. Well, you talk about like old tactics. It makes me think of, you know, infantry school where you're bounding through the woods and doing, you know, dismounted tactics. And like, uh, it's not like the desert. It's not, it's not, you know, uh, on trucks and checkpoints and all that kind of stuff. And, and we learned like really early on to, you know, is a completely new, Generation, so you know, whatever you learned in basic training or or basic course, if you're an officer, Mm -hmm. uh, if this was like 2000 to 2004. Five, like it's all changing at this time right, right?
2: right
0: so did you uh you know were you able to kind of learn and adapt as you went uh as you're working overseas and, and yeah. like what were some of the stuff you know without getting like giving away secrets course, and stuff yeah. what some what are some of the the things that you saw maybe like didn't work at the time and then you worked it out on on how to adapt it to this new conflict
1: Yeah, you know, I did a lot of my own research when everybody was going out to, like, the bars and stuff. I just kind of stayed in the library and, like, read what went wrong in Afghanistan, you know, what are some things that the interrogators did that worked for them. I read books by the CIA. I just really tried to, like, learn, like, beyond what they were telling us just so Mm -hmm. I could really know what's going on economically, politically, you know, what's going on in this theater that that we're in. And you know, learning that it's really a proxy war and all these things that like they don't—they're not going to sit there and tell you that. That's something that's just right, really macro, high level. But I wanted to know all that, and that gave me like a good grounding, I think. So,
0: what kind of people are you dealing with? Like a whole depot where we're we're like dropping off, you know, bad guys on a daily basis, and I'm sure there's people like processing them, and then you're having to like you know keep charts on everyone and, and kind of like help the, you know, the broader Intel team sort of paint this picture, but you have, you're the one dealing with the primary source, right?
1: Yeah. We had like high value people. Um, most, most like 97 echoes did at the time I was over there. Like, so, you know, and then I was on a couple of special projects that was way different than what I was taught. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? But they need somebody, they need a gator here for the rules of engagement, you know? So there was a lot of that stuff going on too with my MOS, but like and that's when you really got to follow the book and make sure nobody does anything stupid because we're under regulation and everything so a lot of times they needed my job for that too just to watch and be like you know monitor yeah. the situation so yeah very very crazy stuff very gray area stuff but you know i was fortunate enough to have good missions and like i said a good command some people have bad stories with that and i, I was like lucky so
0: yeah I watched this movie uh, recently called The Card Counter. Have you seen this or heard of this? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's about a guy who... um, he counts cards for a living, but he's, you know, messed up in the head. And his backstory is, I guess, he was he worked at, like, Abu Ghraib. Oh, and, wow. then, and then went to Leavenworth and learned how to count cards and then left. But he carries this, like, PTSD with him and, and you know, all that kind of oh, yeah. stuff. But, like, that was one of the biggest stories coming out from early on in the war. So you have to feel, like, in your job field, like, oh, well, I know I have to do stuff by the books, but, like, now... I feel you know, like the American public or, or you know, the zeitgeist has like a, like an idea of what we do, and it's not a good one. Right. Or there's a target on us by whoever the combatant, you know, like the uh, the the big scale commanders are. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. and that's
1: the scary thing. Abu Ghraib was way before my time, but those some of those people were in one of the units I was attached to, so like walked through the same doors that I went through, and you're just sitting there like. How did this happen? Yeah. But it was you know that story. It was just a chaotic storm of events that so many things were going on, and you know they look at the soldiers, but who was in charge? Like you, you know you look you got to look at all these things that happen to those people. It's just horrible, horrible things. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. Did you hear about Zimbardo? Like they're saying he faked the Stanford Prison uh, Experiment now, and that's one of the biggest like connections between the psychological uh, or psychological academia and and real world recent application and uh like a year or so ago someone someone blew someone blew them up and uh they're like hey it's not real
1: but uh yeah i've been out of this world for a while i try to detox from it but uh you know talking about the stories it it you know it's interesting but i i had a lot of wine when i got home my deployments. I know that. It's my way of
0: coping. Well, you said that your dad shipped you a guitar like during your deployment, right? Yes. So, you know, I know we work hard, but in our downtime, there's not a ton to do. Right. So it feels like, you know, you can get through a whole series of TV or you can read 10 books on a deployment, even when you work in 16 hour days. Right. Um, So had you... Had you picked up the guitar before? It sounds like not much, or are no, you... No, I
1: mean, it literally, like I said, a hyper kid, an athletic kid in three sports, varsity sports, when do you sit down? Like, I was, I was a, like, crazy like that. I just had to be running all the time, and then, so here I am, 20 years old, I'm, I'm you know, overseas in the Middle East, and I'm, like, I do, I'm forced to, to sit down and, and, like, relax, so... Okay, now I'm gonna look at the guitar and find out. Like I remembered the three chords my dad taught me, and I stuck with it. You gotta play for like you know three months, and then the little calluses on here go away on your left hand. And once that's over, it's over. It's not hard. You just gotta you gotta keep doing it. And then I was like, I had the time finally, so I was like, I'm gonna do this.
0: How do you start off just playing the hits?
1: Yeah, I would. I would pick like even if they were rock hits. Like I think I played Jocks of Jupiter. Like you know, and that was an older song, but it was like one of my dad's favorite songs. I was like, let me learn this, and that's an easy. That's an easy three chord song too. So
0: okay, and then just uh, like, uh, do you have do you have your buddies in the military just saying like, hey, can you play this or learn how to? When do you start bringing other people in, and when do you start pairing up the singing with the with the playing?
1: yeah so i always would sing and play because my playing is not that great but you know i can you know strum the chords and sing like most country singers do and i had the internet you know like some people at deployment sites don't or whatever and we have the internet so i just would look up chords online look up tabs and next thing you know people would come in and be like hey can you learn this song and I was on night shifts, so like people would come in after their shift and be like, oh, in, in the chaplain's office where we were, and it's like, oh, I want to I hear this. And then people on day shift would hear it and be like, oh, and then it was a big distraction. People are supposed to go to work, and they're listening to me play guitar, so it was fun.
0: Uh, did the chaplain have any requests on some like Christian rock <laughs> stuff?
1: Yeah, I got recruited for like this Christian band, and uh, then like a week later, they kicked me
0: out.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I was too pop-sounding. So
0: well I have a uh, I have a friend he says that um, like Christian branded stuff like music is mm-hmm. has a similar problem to veteran branded stuff like music in that it doesn't have to be as good and it and it makes him mad because he wants it to be as good or better right and you know I think that when you talk about everybody wants to brand you as you know the veteran who's the instead of focusing on the music like let it let it show for itself
2: right
0: it, it sounds like the same sentiment but if you if you're if the chaplain's like man this sounds too poppy it's like it's almost like it, it, he's afraid no, I think, of it I, being I, I think, popular so right. He doesn't want more people to listen to it.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I think there was just somebody who didn't like me in the Air Force. You know how those Air Force Air Force people are. I feel like he just didn't like me, and he's like, all right, you're out of our group. And I was like, all right, bye. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> so, it's probably not the chaplain, but... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to be... You know, Craig Morgan isn't branded as... Like, everyone knows he's a veteran, but he doesn't, like, pander over it. You know who Craig Morgan is, the country singer?
0: Uh, I don't, but okay. I'm sure plenty of people do, and it's, yeah. a me, it's a me thing.
1: Yeah, well, you'll you'll listen. He's great. And they don't do that, you know, but, again, he has, maybe in the beginning they did to him, I don't know, but...
2: Hmm.
1: I just don't want that.
2: Yeah.
0: You know? so. Yeah. When do you start thinking about transition from the military were you kind of set on were you set on a number of years where did you you know have a set of goals that you completed or or you know was it always kind of like a transitionary thing for you how did you think about service because i know you know a lot of people think well i'll do the first four and then see what happens or uh you know they turn into a lifer i'm weird i did 12 which is kind of in the middle so that is,
1: that is very rare I haven't heard that yeah so
0: so how do you think of it?
1: Yeah I mean of course when I was young I was like oh I'm gonna be a general someday like that's gonna be me and then I really tried to be you know a super soldier I got like my sergeant when I was like 20, 20 years old I was like I'm gonna keep doing this I'm gonna be a you know a general and then and then I was like no like I just I don't want to live, there's a lot of political stuff. It's like, it's the same as corporate America, right? Like to get promoted, it's all this stuff. It's just a lot of work. And I knew that I couldn't really do music. I could, but you got to really be all in, especially if you're an intelligence. You can't, I'm sure you've heard. And it's like other MLSs too. You're you're all in mentally, you know, and there's really no break. So I knew that I was going to have to take one of those paths. I saw a lot of people, too, because my unit wanted me, like, to do all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to get out now and go do music, so.
0: So this just came naturally at, like, the end of the contract?
1: Yeah, I just kind of was at a crossroads, and uh, I just knew that I wanted to follow what's in my heart, which was music.
2: Mm. Because
1: I learned how healing it was when I was overseas. I mean, doing interrogations all day, like, you you get headaches, like, it's just like any other MOS that's intense, right? You just... You got to deal with a lot of drama, so yeah. You know,
0: what kind of feedback did you get from other people who maybe it was healing for them too, or at least therapeutic, or oh, yeah. or, I mean, or it made the time pass?
1: Yeah, it was it was therapeutic. You know, people um, came up to me and was like, "You have to do this. Like, please promise me you'll you'll pursue this dream." And you know, because I feel like I had that effect on people. They a lot of a lot of singers do, but you know, they they the audience feel like they connect with you. You know, so. I was like, okay, that's happening for a purpose, right? So.
0: Did you start writing your own stuff while you were still in?
1: Yeah, I mean, towards the end I did, but it was very good. So.
0: Okay. What was the inspiration or the basis for it, and how's that changed over time?
1: It's kind of the same. For me, writing is like personal. It it will just come... A melody will come into my head, and I will start writing it. Uh, The first song I ever wrote was called Baby Come Home, and it's about a guy who was in Afghanistan while I was in the U.S. And it was based on an emotion, and then the melody came into my head. A lot of writers talk about this. I know I sound weird when I say this, but they say that that's how it starts, and then I just wrote the song, so.
0: And then over time is it still kind of the same based in emotion and then following with a melody and kind of like, how long does it take to write a song? Have, has your theme changed over time or, or just, you know, developed, I guess with more life experience.
1: Yeah. My writing gotten better um, in the last two years, I think just from being older and getting more experience writing. Cause I could probably say that I've been writing for like 10 years now off and on. And that's, usually what it takes i mean a lot of these people that were hit songwriters early on they they were writing when they were like 10 mm. like taylor swift started writing so young like it takes like a long time to get good so i think my stuff's better now and it's more mature and i'm not I, you know a couple years ago when i was at music row in nashville i was writing to like impress like oh this is gonna be a pop hit oh let me write this let me dumb this down so people will like it and that's not what i do anymore now with my new album it's it's just literally from my heart i don't care what genre it is. I don't care what people think. It's just like, that's it. And I feel like that's the best way to write art is not like, Oh, what will people like? What's going to be popular? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Do you have to write for the other, like, uh, well, how do I ask this? Do you write for all the instruments or do you write a melody and then collaborate with other musicians yeah. to like make an ensemble? You could tell that I know <laughs> next to nothing about music Okay. We've had one other musician on uh, the podcast, um, but uh, aside from that, I know like nothing.
1: That's okay. Um, yeah, usually in Nashville, they will, you know, have a songwriter with their guitar and they're singing, and then the musicians that are at the studio will write out a Nashville number system on paper and basically the chords of the song, and then they'll bring yeah. in what they want. What do you want? Do you want fiddle? Do you want guitar? Do you want drums? And would it take an hour? And they had a, they had the whole thing composed. So that's yeah. how it works in Nashville. But, you know, a lot of people that have bands, they'll just have their band guys, their drummer, write the parts or yeah. whatever else. So it's either way.
0: What's the Nashville number system?
1: Um, it's very... If you want to get challenged, look this up tonight. It's very strange. So okay. reading music is, is weird enough, but Nashville number system is like, you know, and I can't even explain it.
0: Is it like... <laughs> It's uh, like coined for Nashville, like the Dewey Decimal system, or is it pretty like much. only used there, or is it used all around?
1: It's used pretty much only there. Like okay. If you brought that to a New York Broadway musician, they'd be like, "What is that? It's pretty okay. much only there.:
0: so, And uh, was it like a shorthand for like musical yes. notation?:
1: Yes. So like, it, it, it's showing like we're jumping to a G, then we're going to an E, and you know if you understand I'm sure you understand a little bit of music for music class, it's just in a number system. So, and Hi. I don't even understand it, as you can tell. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to explain it, but um, you know, listeners can look it up.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, I have I have my own proprietary way of keeping score for baseball games that nobody else understands, okay. but, but me. So
1: very
2: clever. Uh,
0: it sounds it sounds like uh, well, who knows? But uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> like I never even knew that part. Like because to me. Yeah, the last time I had music class was, like, an intro class in college or, you know, high school mandatory music class. Right. And I was one of the kids who had, like, no interest in being there. And I just put, like, a tape in or a CD in and let it play. And, like, who cares? It's a beat. And I know the words and everything. I've never taken a closer look at, at uh, music like that. But, yeah, one of the things I think that will, like, bore little kids is... The notation oh
1: my god i hated it, music class too i hated it i mean it's just it's just so restrictive they need to reform it and i went to public schools so you know
2: okay well oh, me would, too you yeah. know
1: private school people might have better but I, it was just so boring and then they just throw this like sheet music at you like great right? it's horrible so
0: Yeah, and then like you get this impression because maybe you watch someone play piano, they just throw up a sheet music and they start playing along, so like they can just magically read it along as they go like a second second language. And I actually thought that that like I find that like a bit discouraging to learning because I don't have an ear. First of all, I'm not trying to learn music, but I don't have an ear for it, and I can't read it. And yeah. to see someone just do it, like, effortlessly, it seems like, uh, you know, how am I even going to take the first step?
1: Yeah. Well, I for me, I hate sheet music, personally. I just hear it and I play it, so. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's, the sheet music thing is definitely hard, even for people that wrote it in the 1700s, they complained about it, so. Okay. So, no, this goes back, I'm, I'm dumb, this goes back in the early centuries, right? I don't even know. Again, viewers can look it up. Okay. <laughs> don't quote me.
0: Okay. <laughs> If you like branched out to play any other instruments or stuck with the guitar?
1: Uh, I play piano a little bit. I play chords to accompany myself and sometimes I'm writing music. Okay. I bought an old piano a couple years ago. It was at the. It was like it was just they were just getting rid of pianos, and it's pretty nice. It's like one of the old European pianos that they stopped making because now they're all made like, not as nice. So hmm. it's a good, fine.
0: Nice. right there's like a there's like a Steinway. I don't know if it's, like, a factory in Queens or something. I don't yes. even know if it's the Steinway Pianos or some other Steinway.
1: Nice. But,
0: uh, yeah, written by there. I don't really know what's there, though. So, great there, There's
1: There's probably some good stuff there, I would have I in okay.
0: Brooklyn. So. Okay. Um, if we could backtrack a little bit before Nashville, you decided to go uh, to college after the military, and this was – you already knew you wanted to be – a musician, but your mom said, hey, it would mean a lot if you went to college. Did I get that part right?
1: Yeah, don't remind me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, she, you know, everybody wants their their kid to get a degree. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. So I was, like, put in a dorm at UConn, and it was literally, like, three months after getting back from Iraq. Oh. And all you can hear is, like, this brick building with, like, slamming doors and screaming and, like, just banging. And I'm just, like, going nuts. I walked into the bathroom, and I'm just, like, I can't do this. Like, I, I, I don't want to live here. Like, it's so loud. Then I see this girl who's, like, in her 30s, and she's, like, I know, it's terrible. I'm, like... She's like, yeah, I survived Bosnia, but I can't deal with this. So I was like, thank me and you are going to be friends. (laughs) Let's just get out of here. So, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting experience to be in college feeling like I'm 90 and all these young kids are like 18 having the time of their life. And I'm just like this old person. That's what I felt like. I was only 22, but I just felt so old.
0: Yeah. You felt like you just one you know the four years okay cool whatever but those four years are like you know dog years yeah when you're in the military serving overseas you know you identify as a soldier right
1: yeah and I just felt so old like I mean I wish I had like the joy like I had joy but it's just like they're so like naive like they don't know like and and I, I just like them, you know. It's it is what it is. But you know, you're different sometimes when you go through the military. You, you just see things differently than civilians. Not that you're better. You just you know you have that awareness.
0: Yeah. So. What did you focus on at school?
1: Uh, computer science. Okay. <laughs> Didn't do very well, but you know, got my degree. That's all that matters. Okay. Please, mom.
0: Was uh, <laughs> did you ever consider like music as uh like as a you know study topic?
1: Uh. I went to a few classes, and I just, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> like, it's just not for me. It's kind of like theater classes. It's just like, no. Like, I wanted to, I knew I'm going to have to work. Like, I knew it's a long road being a songwriter. So I was like, I want to get something where I can get a job and, you know, make some money and and stuff. And then they really, you really have to want it for music. I mean, yeah. it's harder than an engineering degree. Like, you're you're got to be practicing every night after school. I mean, so I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's almost like you can go to school for accounting and, and pretty much bank on becoming an accountant. Yeah. But if you go to school for music, it's tough. Yeah. I guess this is like my outsider take, but yeah. I, I don't know that it would actually put you in more of the running for being a successful musical artist than someone who maybe just worked really hard at it. Well, I, I, I don't know.
1: I mean, it, I, It's kind of like hit or miss, but... You know, you better have money because if you're going into debt for it, then that, that'd be kind of silly. And for me, like, obviously the military paid, but I just still like, I just wanted to get something that was substantial so that when I got out just in case, like, I could just get something, you know, because the way the economy was too back then and the way it is now. So, yeah, you know.
0: So, I mean, it's like a very practical way to look at it, too, yeah. right? So, you know, hey, there's a chance I'm not going to be the next Taylor Swift right. overnight.
2: Right.
0: Uh, so let's yeah. let's find something very practical to pay the bills. And, you know, I can always fall back on having a regular person job.
1: Yeah, my parents kind of pushed that, too. And I'm, I actually am glad they did that because there, a lot of people in my family are engineers. And it's just it felt natural to me, too. I didn't want to sit there and dissect music because it kind of took away from my love from it, too. Hmm. You know, and, and a lot of people say that about when they go to school for music. It's like, you know, it takes that away. But that's why I went for something else. So.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting that, sorry to keep making this point, but like when yeah. you think about the arts, right? So you'll see an artist or a musician who has either like an MFA or some kind of degree and like they're doing quite well. They're able to sell their art or sell their music or they're just a professional musician where you don't really know their name, but they're touring as the guitarist for this person that you really know. But it seems kind of split where, you know, there's those people and then there's the people who like, you know, like, I've never looked at a sheet of music in my life. Or, mm-hmm. or like, I've you know, I just picked up a paintbrush one day.
1: Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, there's definitely those. And I I met some people in the city that had history degrees, and then they're amazing, you know, guitarists. I mean, they're, you'll find that, definitely. You, you don't, you know, a lot of the writers down in Music Row now in Nashville, they don't have music degrees. Hmm. They majored in, they played football in college, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: So.
0: So did you... Get a regular person job As you work And continue To work on music
1: Yeah unfortunately (laughs) I did So Yeah and I just Didn't ever want to be poor You know like I just I don't know I like to To just You know Make sure to plan For rainier days You know I don't like to Eat ramen noodles All the time
0: (laughs) Yeah No of course I mean I think that Most people Listen to this show Or most people Who just have served Would Agree with that Like I don't want to be poor Either (laughs)
1: Yeah, when I was That's college, a big driving
0: force of, like, plenty of the stuff I've done in my life. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, people in college were like, oh, it must be nice to be rich. Because, you know, like, I bought a car after deployment. I'm like, why don't you go over there and you tell me yeah. if you would like it while you're partying at the college. But, you know, I just believe hard work pays off. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and you got the GI Bill. You got some money you can stash away from a deployment or a yeah. couple years of really working. You know, whatever, if you want to agree or disagree with the, go to college at 18, rack up a bunch of debt before you know what you really want to do, and then go f- try to figure it out. Oh, God. No. Um, I didn't want to do that.
2: Yeah.
0: Versus going to going to learn a trade, uh, doing something vocational, doing something in public service, and then, like, learning as you go. You know, I went to community college when I was in the military before I got out, and then went to school like, a couple more times, but... Made that work, made you know, saving up and then using the, the GI Bill and all that stuff work too. Yeah, so that's good. yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's like a, you know, mixed approach. I think a lot of people have these, like, milestones. They're like, well, oh, 22 graduate, you know, 25, I'm going to be a manager in my <laughs> company, and then I'm going to, you know, do yeah, all it's, other it's stuff. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: People I know that went to Ivy Leagues and, like, majored in liberal arts and, like, don't even have a job. Like, it's it can happen. But, yeah. you know, they're on a different path. It doesn't yeah. mean anything bad about it. So
0: well, no we're miles, uh, a few miles away from Yale right now. Yeah. A lot of people's safety school.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. Who
0: want to go to Harvard. Uh, okay, how do we bridge from school, you know college graduate, uh, start working to moving into Nashville to how much are you focusing on music then versus how much can you like dedicate it and and you know how do you decide to make the move and really you know go to like the Mecca? Of where country music is, right? Cause it feels like you have to be there.
1: Oh yeah, you have to make connections. Um, I just, you know, I was working in the corporate world here in uh, New England, and then still always writing, performing. Um, doing stuff like at theaters, performing, you know, my music. And in 2018, I had a producer interested in recording me, a Grammy producer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I can, I might not get a record deal yet, but I'll get a good product. Mm -hmm. So I went down there to record six songs and I had the people that play on Carrie Underwood's record. They played on my record, which was awesome. Amazing musicians. Yeah. And uh, I got that experience, you know, of, of like... It was kind of the experience of being signed and going to the studio and, like, you know, recording your album and doing that. And, but when I did that, I was like, okay, now what? Like, I've spent this money. I've made this great record. What do I do? And kind of in Nashville, in most places, you're kind of just left in the dust. Like, no one... There, there, there really aren't a lot of labels like there used to be. And if, you know what I mean, if you're kind of an independent artist... You're kind of like just flying in the wind. And that's mm-hmm. what was going on. So I just, I took it step by step, but I knew the original plan was to get a good product. And you don't make a country record in New York, you go to Nashville. You want a real country record, you go to Nashville.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's why I went.
0: Okay. So how does that look like if you're. I'm going to mess up all the terminology, but like if you're independent or you're not like on a label or anything, mm-hmm. so you go, you work with some people, you produce a record, and then it's up to you to like market it and yeah. sell it, or, yeah. or are you selling it to, you know, or are you using it to talk to more producers or labels and, and try to get on with them? I need like a 101 on, oh, the, sure. on the music industry.
1: So, like, if I was Faith Hill in the 90s, right, I would just go to Broadway. Um, have you ever been to Broadway in Nashville or no? Yeah,
2: yeah, of course. Okay,
1: so Broadway used to be not as hopping as it was. It was, like, you know, quiet. There was, like, coffee shops. It was, like, just laid back. Right. So she'd go out there and go sing at an open mic night and Warner Music's in the audience, and they say, hey, do you want a record deal? Mm. So that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. So now you, as the artist, have to create the product, wait, before all that, you have to look really good, you have to sing really good, no one's going to teach you how to sing, you got to play guitar, you got to write your own songs, then you got to come up with a lot of money to record your record, and once you get that product, then you have to distribute it, and get fans, get social media, so the artist has taken on all that, and so it's a lot, and a lot of people give up, because they're like, I can't do that, like, I just want to, just want to sing, I just want to write, and the people that have made it in the recent years, if you look, they all did that. Like Luke Holmes, like they all were doing all of that. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it's different than the 90s. You know, a lot of people still think that it's like the 90s and they can just go out there and be great, but it's not like that anymore. Okay. You have to be your own label.
0: <laughs> okay. So. Is there like a industry around, hey, we'll help you do this, right? Yes. Like,
1: there there in- are some good people out there that will do that once you're making the right moves but a lot of investment still has to come from the artist side and because a lot of labels don't have like that much money I mean of course the big four have tons of money they always will but the pandemic hurt labels as well because the touring was gone Okay. so they want you to just be invested a lot and they look at that stuff you know so it's a different world you know if I just wanted to sing and write songs i would be great I could be in the 90s again and get signed but now you have to be a business person and it would be great if I had a business degree I wish I had a business degree I should have majored in that (laughs) yeah.
0: You know, so, <laughs> I I don't know that they taught us anything about uh, music or or entertainment, but you can probably tailor it.
1: I'm sure. Um, oh, now in Nashville they probably have all those degrees. So. Oh
0: yeah, go to um, go to like uh, Vanderbilt um, b- there, business yeah. school. They'll have uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Before you move there, and while you're living there, how are you? I like guess two separate questions, but, like, are you doing gigs? You said when you were back in New England, you would play at some places. Like, what kind of places do you play at? You know, are you sourcing your own venues? Are you doing, like, a mix of cover songs and your own stuff, right? And then how's it different when you get there?
1: Yeah, so I was doing a lot here. I, I did festivals. I actually played a place in Brooklyn, I don't remember the name of it, but we did something uh, in Brooklyn in 2018 before I left. You know, we we were like playing all over because there are some people, it might be rare, but there are some people who really like modern country. They like to listen to it, even in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I was booking a lot of those gigs and stuff, but I still didn't have the great product I needed. I knew I had to go to Nashville to get that record. So when I got there, I was simultaneously recording the record, everything else, and I was like okay, what am I going to do now? How am I going to book gigs? Like, I don't have an agent in Nashville. I had an agent in Connecticut. I don't have an agent here. So what am I going to do? And I was like overwhelmed because you like listen in New York and everywhere else. And like go to Nashville, the people that play are like so good. (laughs) You know, you're just so intimidated. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I even going to get a gig here? These people are like, they sound like they're on the radio. They're so good. The bands. Yeah. So I was intimidated. You know, I didn't, I was like, oh my God, you know? And, I, I was working down there, so I didn't have a lot of extra time, but I would always go to the events. Like, they have something called Whiskey Jam, which I don't know if you've heard of. No. So it's where all, like, the new up-and-coming artists uh, go in Nashville, and, like, Luke Combs came out of there. A lot, a lot of Maren Morris, they all used to play. It's, it's kind of like a hon- honky-tonk bar, but they have, like, this organization called Whiskey Jam that puts everybody on the stage. So that's kind of, like, the hangout for artists and stuff. So I would go to that. I would watch the artists. But um, I was there for about a you know year or two years, and then the pandemic hit, and I went home because I didn't want to be in the big city. I was in a it was in a huge apartment downtown Nashville, and you know you know how scary that was. So yeah,
0: do you uh, did you have any like mentors through this?
1: I did here and there. Um, I had a mentor from New York who really got my singing to the next level because, like I said, the labels don't really teach that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to groom people, but they want somebody ready now. So he, he really got me from being like a decent like rock singer to like, okay, this sounds like Carrie or somebody that's commercial on the radio, you know, because there's a lot that goes into that too. People just think it's auto-tune, but there's a lot of technique to singing, like if you want to be a great singer. so
0: yeah. How do you actually learn about developing your voice? Because I think the average person just thinks like it's innate – or you know you just work by doing but how do you actually like study your own voice and then make progress on it
1: that's that's I know it's so it's so tough well you have to like look at the instrument outside of yourself because if I'm a teacher and I'm telling you to like right look at your voice like where's your larynx it's like you can't see it so a lot of things that helped me was looking at diagrams of the human body and like seeing like where that was on me and like you know, looking at all that because it's, it's an instrument that's in your body, right? It's not like the guitar where I could be like, Oh, fret one. It's like, you're like, wait, where is that? Mm-hmm. So a teacher's telling you, Oh, drop your tongue, drop your jaw. You're like, what? Like, but there's so much to singing that it's like, it, and then it's personal too. Cause it, you feel you're being attacked cause it's your own instrument. Yeah. So it, I would say it's the hardest instrument to learn, to be honest. Yeah. So, huh. but yeah, it's, it's just learning by doing, put your 10,000 hours in and then you'll get to the next level.
0: Okay. So it's, e- it's even like, yeah. Like what kind of feedback would you get from a voice coach? Like or back in the day? Well, well, no, I mean like, like technically, you know, like tighten your, like oh, yeah. tighten your throat up, like press your tongue against the bottom <laughs> of your mouth or like, so you know, literally
1: stuff like that. Yeah. And you're just like, what? And this is why I didn't even attempt voice lessons when I was a kid, because first of all, they yelled at me for having a twang. Cause they are like, stop. Because it's all Broadway up here in near New York. It's all, oh, you got to sing like, la, and like, do it like that. And I didn't do that. Like, I had, like, a twang, and they told me to get rid of my twang, and my mom's like, nope, you're out. She didn't want me to lose my twang. So good job <laughs> on my mom's part. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they really, like, they'll say, you know, okay, so if you want to hit a big note, you have to drop your tongue. And you're like, this is so weird. I don't even do this when I talk. But if you want the air to come out and sing this beautiful high note, you have to lower your tongue. Oh. So just a little fun fact if you ever want to sing, you know.
0: Okay, I'll try it in the car. And people will start moving their mouth around as they're listening to this.
1: You got to drink a lot of water, too, and don't drink too much alcohol if you have a gig. Stuff, okay. stuff I need to know, you know. Okay.
0: I, well, I think that's good advice for any anyone. If you're about to do something professional, don't yeah. have a lot of alcohol. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you said they. You want to be known as a songwriter and then a singer?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that right? I would. I, I really respect the great country singers from back in the day, like, who could sing amazing and could write, you know, Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard. Um, too much of the radio culture, culture really came in, and it's like, oh, you don't even have to write. You just got to be a great singer. Right. was like you the can, 90s. You know? uh,
0: was Carrie Underwood have a song about scratching up someone's car? Yeah. With... Your keys? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, she doesn't really write. She's a great singer, though. Okay. But, you know, I, I, I wanted just to... Because it's more personal, I think. And uh, I don't have the luxury of, yeah, of, of you know, getting the best writers, like Hillary Lindsay, writing me songs. So, mm. when that day comes, maybe I won't have to be a writer. <laughs> so.
0: Okay. Can you talk about the, the process between, like, a songwriter and then the person who sings it? And, it, and like, you know, there are people who are just songwriters and they either sell their song or like i've even heard of artists like paying for a song but it's taken five years to record it they just didn't want anyone else to have oh, it yeah, or, or like what's the what's the relationship between a songwriter and a singer when it's not the same person
1: yeah like a lot of them are friends um especially on music row like the big singers you know they they are, they're friends with the great songwriters and there, if there's a song that Reba wants, like, she can just call somebody and say, I want that. Delaney would take it, and she'll take it. Hmm. So it has to personally connect to the singer. And a lot of times songwriters also will write for singers in mind. You know, they'll be like, oh, this person, you know, they have a great voice. Let's let's do, do that for them. So, you know, if, a lot of songwriters can't really sing either. So they want somebody to have a big voice and sing it, you know. So,
0: right.
1: Because hmm. they I'll make it a hit, you know.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to me. Yeah, that's Like that you can you. I mean, I guess it's kind of like a screenwriter. If mm-hmm. I'm kind of making an analogy, like yeah. you can you can write for the screen and with a director in mind, or with uh, you know, with uh, an actor, actress Actors in mind. Here. Yeah,
1: absolutely, it's the same thing. Like put, you know, bringing this, bring the art to life. So
0: there's a place called the Listening Room mm-hmm. in Nashville, which is pretty cool because. You can see like the original songwriters mm-hmm. perform their own songs, and a lot of times you'll see something that like you notice, but it's completely different, right? Because it's it's their original, right? right? You know, you'll you'll hear like you know, big old country guy singing a song that got sold off to you know little Miss Country Girl, yeah, and uh, and it gives it like a different whole different flavor, it's funny, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, we've seen that. I saw um, Natalie Hemby singing there when she wrote the songs for the Lady Gaga movie, um, The Star is Born. Oh, yeah. And I saw her perform all those, and wow, incredible. You know, and it's crazy how this stuff came out of her, but they they were hired, obviously, for the movie. They were inspired. They got to meet Bradley Cooper. They talked about it, you know, and it's like, I think they were out in L.A. a lot writing the songs, so.
0: Yeah. Does Gaga write her own songs? They just brought in someone who could write, like, strong country songs?
1: Um, I think she does, but she's more of a performer. Oh, my God, that girl, like, can rock the stage, like, insane dance, saying she has the charisma. I don't know so much about her writing, but I do know, like, obviously the performing is her strong suit. Yeah.
0: How important would it, in, in an ideal world, how important would it be for you to be the one performing all your songs?
1: It would be important, if, if I, if they're personal to me, but I'm like, I don't have to, to feel like I've succeeded or like I'm doing what I want to do,
2: hmm. you know?
1: So some people like that's a deal breaker. They have to, they want to be in the spotlight, but I'm okay with just writing.
2: Yeah. You
0: know, so. Conversely, like how excited would you be to see, you know, whoever the biggest star is of our time, you know, getting, performing something that you wrote for millions and millions of people?
1: That would be cool. That would be cool because a lot of times I do write songs that were better for men and I'm like, can Tim McGraw sing this, you know, you know, so that would be cool for sure.
0: How do you write a song for, I mean, you know, in that example for a man, but in for, like, how would you write a song for someone who you don't particularly identify as, right, like, I know, it could be like a nurse or doctor. It could be like uh, someone from a different country, an astronaut. Or I don't think David Bowie was an astronaut, but he wrote a bunch of songs. Yeah. Uh, how do you like put yourself in that position and and you know something I've never done? But how does it feel?
1: Well, it's kind of weird. It's it's like this is going to sound weird, but it's it feels like I'm being channeled. Like sometimes I'll just feel like. They call it, like, so when you're in Nashville, they call it, like, if you're around songwriters, they'll call it, do you like the spirit of that? Do you like the spirit of that? So it's like this supernatural thing. You feel like you're kind of, like, you know, channeling maybe someone who's passed or whatever. And a lot of times, a lot of great art comes from that. And I don't know if you believe in that stuff, but I do. And I think it's inspiring. So.
0: Yeah. It makes for great art. Yeah. Yeah. People that paint. I don't have to be into it.
1: Yeah. But it's it's a burden too. It's like, yo, I don't wanna can you leave me alone? I don't wanna write this song. <laughs> like, yeah, it could be a burden.
0: Yeah. So uh, well how does like what's the farthest out you've, you know, channeled to uh when you were inspired to write something or, or... I think
1: like the other night I was up at like three a.m. when when all, all this stuff always happens to me and it was something about somebody's girlfriend and I didn't even write it down. I'm like, I don't wanna do this right now. So sometimes I just I just go back to sleep but the good songs are when I have the discipline to be like, all right, I'm tired, but I'm gonna go write this down on my iPhone notes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I get those sometimes. You know, it's it's like a guy singing about a girl, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I channeling this? So.
0: You described your like genre as not pure country, but you like a little bit of darkness or maybe a little bit of rock mixed in. Right? Um, is this your your preference based on? sound or writing or a little bit of both or just that you want to you know be more challenging and um non-obvious I guess
1: yeah I mean it's pretty much my mood like I'm not like the most cheery like person you know I'm just kind of like serious and into like history and you know kind of like that kind of stuff so I feel like it's my music comes through as that and nobody's heard this new music by the way this is stuff I haven't released but like I said, this is stuff from my heart. It's not me writing and being like, oh, this is going to be a hit, you know. So it definitely has a darker alt-country kind of element to it with mm-hmm. with rock because I have a range, like, beyond country, you know. Like, it's more for rock, but that's why I, I would say it's rock and country because I'm doing notes that usually people don't do in country, but it's, like, boring to me to just sing in, like, a low like, register the whole time, you know. So
0: yeah. I, I like to, like, sing with Irones, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, back to uh, not wanting to be typecast as the veteran, mm-hmm. because, you know, back to this place, The Listening Room, they had, like, Veterans Night. Oh, they and did? It okay. was, and it was five people, and all they sung about was, sang, sang all Yeah. All they sang about was, it, it was, like, take a basic song and then lace it with like PTSD and alcoholism <laughs> and then have everybody clap cuz they feel bad but not be able to actually enjoy the music yeah. and 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 back you know like no I'm not trying to like dunk on whoever was there that night but it was like one theme just repeated five times over again, oh
1: man that
0: sucks and uh, and you know, back to the comment they made earlier about you know my my buddy Nate who has the same feeling about Christian rock. it's yeah. like it should be a it should be kind of like the music stands for itself and right. oh by the way, here's this about this person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So can you talk more now about you know maybe people who wanted you to be, the veteran girl who sings country and maybe you want them I don't want to speak for you, but music stands on its own. Or what, what kind of like, what went on in your head? What, what conversations did you have with them? And how was that there, there, this like friction. And I also don't know how PR agencies work in music too.
1: Well, recently this year, I was early this year, I was scouted for America's Got Talent. Okay. And they're like, Oh, we're going to, you know, tell me your story, send me your videos. We're gonna put you right to the big string. There's no cattle calls for you. You're gonna go right up there. And I sent them a cover of Me Doing I Told You So by Randy Travis, and they loved it. And he's like, Well, do you have anything else, you know, about your experience as a veteran? Like, do you have any songs that will make the audience really cry? And I'm like, No, I don't have any, you know, and they just want like the sob story. And that really made me mad because I was like, but you picked me because of my singing, and now you want me to turn into this like pandering thing. And it's just how these things work. I'm not blaming him, but I think these shows work like that. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to. I don't want to be represented for that. So I said no because that's not what I want to be known for. Like you know, it, it could really paint you in a certain way too if you go on those shows. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and I, I had a song. I have a song out. It's called God and Country, and it's nothing to do with like. I have ptsd or this or that it's it's about me as a girl serving and i don't know if you listen to it you can listen to it in the future but it's very personal and i wasn't doing it to be like anything it was just kind of channeled and a lot of patriotic people they like the song but that's not something that i'm like oh this is a great song you know like it's just just my experience of of it but uh you know, I think if people have personal stories and they're actually veterans and they write songs, I kind of respect that. But people that are trying too hard to like be like, oh, you know, we're going to write about PTSD when they don't even have it. It's like, then how are you going to make anything authentic that I, I can't stand. And there's a lot of these organizations that really like a lot of songwriters. I hate to say it. they And singers, they are like, oh, I do this for the veterans. I do that. I'm like what are you doing though? Like, you're just going to an event to look good. Like, you, are you really caring? Right? So, there's a lot of that going on too and sounds like maybe the event you went to but, I mean, they do a lot of good too. I just feel like as a veteran myself, if people are going to tell me about, about PTSD and they've never experienced it, I just don't like that. <laughs> That's my opinion. So, yeah. You know.
0: I also like exploring the kind of multi-dimensionality of people's personalities and experience. Right. So, if you have one song that's like, I'm drinking too much and I'm thinking about killing myself, then the next song is, I can't stop thinking about bombs going off in Afghanistan. Then the next song is, you know, uh, my buddies are dead and that's really sad. And then it's like, holy shit, man. Tell me about something else. Like, the joy you find in the mountains and nature. Because, like, there's some of that, too, where, where it's... I, yeah, I don't it's know. It's too one-dimensional, I, you're saying, yeah
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: My song, God and Country, is like, one of the lyrics is from pom-poms to parachutes. Like, I'm literally making it this personal story of being a girl in the military. And right. so, women liked it. There were some military wives that really liked it. But, yeah, I mean, are the people writing these songs, have they been through it? Or are they just writing to pander, right? That's the question for what they're writing for. It's just like with anything, I mean... What, do you really know what you're writing about you know and if you don't know what you're writing about it's going to come off as very not authentic so
0: yeah uh, I mean even without like questioning the authenticity it's like just the one topic so. yeah I, anything and forced it's, is never good either so yeah I like I like hearing about different parts of somebody's life through the eyes of somebody who's maybe, like, different than me. Whatever, but, like, I don't even know what people write songs about, right? Yeah, well, for
1: me, like, I was writing The Please Music Row back in 2018, and I know that it wasn't good. Like, I know those songs were... Everyone's like, oh, they're good. I'm like, they're not really as good as I can do, because I was doing it to try to, like, be on the radio, and that's not... You're not going to get the best product doing that.
0: Like, uh, She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy? Like, that's a... (laughs) I
1: actually
0: like that song Okay I'm sorry <laughs> I, like Ken- the- I like Kenny Chesney Yeah But uh, You know Kenny Chesney yeah. is, <laughs> Has health. more You know Success and fame And money That I can You know Count to Yeah But uh, The song's called She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy Like Very it's true. a You know It sounds like a Mad Lib it does. And uh, And And you know Like it's cool Some music you don't want to think about Right yeah. So you know
1: I mean, yeah, and maybe when they pitched it to him, he was probably even like, "Do I want to sing this?" I don't and know if he like, wrote that. Actually, what the hell is this? Yeah, I don't even know. He might have wrote it. I don't. I don't know. That's an old song, but yeah, there's definitely songs like that just for the radio. But.
0: Yeah, but I, again, and I like, sorry to throw out, you know, totally. 101. This country songs, but you said earlier, "Red Dirt Road." Yeah, I love that That you song. love it as a kid. Yeah. That like it's so great because it paints a picture. It does. When I th- like when I think of a red dirt road, there's no like red dirt in Massachusetts yep. where I'm from, but I think of like Fort Benning.
2: Yeah, Georgia. Um,
0: totally. You know, and like I didn't get there till I was 18, but it's like it paints a picture, and then you know. where i drank my first beer it's where i you know it's Uh, like talk talking about you know stuff that happens to you early on in life and like you listen to a song and and it like elicits this nostalgia in you even if you don't share that same experience with the person singing it you like you can't not sit there and feel nostalgic about that song right right and like that's a, that's like a, you know, masterful song is what Absolutely. I, th- what I think of when I, you know, if I was to think of a country song, I'm sure there's others that didn't come that prepared yeah. uh, to talk about this stuff in depth, but you know, she thinks my tractor's sexy on the one hand, Red Dirt Road on the other hand, <laughs> we're making some comparisons. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: 100%. What other kind of stuff is there like to look out for? entering the music industry that we haven't covered so far like you know self-funding uh how hard it is to find a label how maybe somebody wants to typecast you or 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 anything like that like what was what were some of the other more surprising things not even like on the bad side maybe on the good side like you know, what'd you learn from being there immersed in, in, you know, the culture and the, and the city?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I realized like, you know, how many people go there every day to try to make it, you know, and I mm. give me appreciation for that. Cause I'm kind of like a transplant. I was there for like a year or two. I mean, you can't really call me a Nashvillian. Like these people are there for 10 years writing like Luke Chris Stapleton, He was writing for like over 10 years before they gave him his first record deal. He was writing songs for other artists. Mm. Chris Jansen slept in his car outside of Tootsie's like okay these people really put their soul into this mm. okay I put my soul into other things but I don't know if I put my soul into living in Nashville I didn't you, you, they, these people lived there for like 10 years and it, it like really hardens them it's like you know and they're changed from it they're not I'm sure they went through a lot of bad times really poor times you know so you gotta respect that aspect of those people so mm. for sure and they don't like newcomers, you know, because well, can you blame them? They've been there for 10 years being right. poor and you're coming in. They don't care about you. And that, that's just how it is. It's a culture there. You know, you, you know, how, how long have you been here? That's like a thing.
0: How do you break through that?
1: They call it 10 year Um Well, I've done my own thing. And, and I, like I said, I went during the pandemic. I went home when I got home. I got an agent in New York City who started booking me all over New England. So I did my own thing and hmm. I've been writing and now I'm recording in L.A. actually. So, uh. You know, you can do your own thing now too. It's not like you have to be part of Nashville. You I, I'm still part of Nashville, but you can there's so much. You have the internet, you know, you can you can do your own thing. It all depends what you want. You know, if you want to be super commercial, Nashville's the place to go break in country. But again, ten year time.
0: <laughs> is it maybe a bit easier to get a chunk of the market here being country, but also knowing that like country influence is growing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago when I was in high school uh, who knows if they're selling out like a country concert in New England whereas now like you know like you said with the internet or with just the amount people have moved around or, or maybe shows like you know America's Got Talent or or, right. or anything else are country acts selling out here and is there like demand for more
1: Yeah, well, I was booked a lot all over New England in 2020 and 2021 because there's not that country Nashville-sounding girl. There's not too many of those in this area. Mm -hmm. I mean, who can sing Carrie? I I love seeing all that stuff. That's, like, my thing, and a lot of people don't do that, so I guess it was rare, and I got more of a market for booking up here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are definitely people, like, in Boston— like, I think Hardy, he's a writer, and he's also a singer. He, he was just up in, like, the Boston area, like, a couple nights ago, and he had a packed at Loretta's last call. Hmm. People were there. So, yeah, there's definitely, um, I mean, if Luke Combs came to the area, of course it would be sold out. The guy's so popular, right? So they, they definitely have the country scene here, too. Yeah. But um, as far as being navigating, like, if you're trying to have a career in music, like, you know you can do whatever you don't have to. Like I said, you don't have to be a Nashville. It just depends what you want. I know somebody who's like a YouTube star, but like no one knows who he is. So you can do it. like so much in this world, as you know, Yeah. you know, with art nowadays, it's like very, very diverse yeah. and we can go on platforms. Whereas like in the nineties and stuff, you couldn't like have your own platform on Spotify. You had to be signed to a label. Now anyone can do it. And that's another problem too, because now there's all this traffic of garbage you want to release something, good luck, because it's going to be lost in the garbage of all the stuff that's out there, the really bad stuff. And how is anyone going to find you? So that's the other issue with it. It's, like, good and bad, you know? So Right.
0: How about the guy who's got the Applebee's theme song? Wasn't <laughs> yeah. he, like, uh
1: the, Which, the singer? Uh, is that... Who is that?
0: It's on the Applebee's commercial. He's singing his... maybe? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's a writer, too.
0: He, like, started doing a song about Applebee's on TikTok, and then Applebee's got, like, uh, they paid him for the song and put it on a commercial. Oh, wow. So now... Oh, that's
1: not Chase Rice. That's somebody he's else. He's, like, the
0: Applebee's commercial guy.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, TikTok is a new way, too. I should have really gotten involved with it, but I was afraid, so...
0: Yeah, afraid of what? The Chinese spies? Yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: can't put away my military <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: yeah,
0: yeah we can say it we could say it yeah we're not on uh, we're not on a TikTok either of okay. the show I don't know how it Agreed. helps podcasts but I um, thought Trump
1: stopped some um, of that he didn't fix that stuff I guess they still own it or something. Uh, it's not US owned I think right
0: I don't think it is yeah. I mean nothing
1: is that's okay yeah.
0: I, don't, I don't I don't know enough to uh, talk about it yeah. I just we're not on it and uh, Ben did not agree to do any of the dances that I wrote for him yeah. so uh, <laughs> we can't really you know we have no content yeah yeah you said that you know you're performing in a couple of weeks at a place locally that is known for like hosting like rave dance parties and stuff. What's it like doing what you do there, and what's the like the local feedback you get? Is you well, know? it's going
1: to be an experiment um, okay. for sure. So, because like I said, they don't really have country in New Haven. Yeah. Um, there's Toad's Place, which you've probably heard of. That's like Led Zeppelin played there in the 70s. It's like right down the road. Um, that's going to be another experiment too. But this okay. is experiment one. And uh, we'll see because, like I said, people listen to this modern stuff, this new modern country. And uh, it's become so popular. It's not like 90s country, right? Yeah. It, it's It sounds like rock. Country, new New country is literally rock and roll.
2: Okay. That's what
1: it is. I mean, you know that. I <laughs> will tell you that. I think it's gonna go over well. We have we have I have a deep, I have a good band, and you know my friends are coming, so <laughs> they'll, they'll fill up the audience. That's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Our first listeners were all friends and family too.
1: Yeah, and you have to be careful too in the business because there's a lot of people in Nashville who try to trap you. I mean, that's anywhere. That's LA. That's anywhere. I've had some people really send me these contracts that were just horrendous. So that's another thing I want to touch on is like be careful who you sign with because. There's some real predators out there for sure. Yeah. I'm going through something right now. You know, it's just you have to be careful who you're signing with and who you're giving your intellectual property to. You know? yeah. So
0: there's an old Sopranos episode where they're talking about like Motown singers and uh, how screwed they got. I mean, I'm sure there's more than a Sopranos episode, but that's how I remember it.
1: Oh yeah, there, there's so many. And what's this girl Megan Lee Stall- Stallion? She's suing her label now because I guess she's like working for free because mm. they're not paying her. So, I mean, this is, like, a problem with artists and labels, like, all over town. Like, it's just a thing now, oh. so.
0: Is she a rapper? I think so. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 She There's wants like- to
1: quit the business because they've, the labels has screwed her so much. And I don't know the story, but from what she says, like, she's like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this, so. Oh. It can be really rough.
0: It is. I mean, you had to think of, like, like you said, you were interested in music, not business. Right. Right. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like business first and foremost. And I happen to do business in music
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's probably an asymmetry there.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And, and for some reason, there's a lot in Nashville. I don't know why, because yeah. it's just where a lot of people go to try to make it, you know,
0: Yeah. So huh. What was recording in LA like? You said you you were at the same place that uh, that Pink was at, and one of my old army buddies, Tom, he's like a he's like a battalion sergeant major now. Uh, he loves Pink, <laughs> and uh, the only person he loves more than Pink is Kid Rock.
1: So. Oh, wow!
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, we used to make fun of him, but now we just accept them. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. We we uh, we went to Earth Star Studios. It's beautiful, and we're going back next this this May we're going to go back and finish the record and um, beautiful studios you know like I said Pink goes there a bunch of different celebs go there mm-hmm. it, it's more low key like if I want to go record in LA no one's going to like know if I go to Nashville it's like oh she's going to be here then I don't want people knowing like what I'm doing these secret projects I'm doing so LA is like nice and secret for me no one knows that I'm going to be there so okay. yeah
0: How do you do music videos, too? Do you try to, like, coincide with an album release? How much of it is, like, timed and planned and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, music videos can take, like, a day or two to do. Like, when I did the music video for Dragon with the Top Down, it took, like, a whole day in in L.A. and Malibu. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you have a good crew, they can get it done in a day.
0: How do people consume music videos now? Because I'm used to, like, MTV, you know, again, like, grew up, Mostly in the 90s was when I would have watched MTV. Yeah. But I can't even imagine what MTV is now. But how do people consume music videos nowadays?
1: I mean, they will go to YouTube because they can just go on their phone. And that's the new TV, right? Having your yeah. phone with you. Yeah. You're at work. You watch the video. But it really has to entice people, I think. Um, because why would you listen, Why would you want to watch it? And you, you'll see it a lot on Instagram. People go to Instagram and watch like pinks new video or something like they're not gonna maybe they'll go to youtube if they're like bigger fans but it's gonna be instagram first they're gonna see it right instagram's like the big thing i think it's important that people get a visual too because uh just hearing music it's not like what we like when people are in the 70s it's just the radio it's like people love the music videos still i think but obviously we have no more mtv or vh1 which sucks so yeah
0: how do you pair the video narrative with the song? Because you have this, when you, when you open it up to two types of media, visual and, and audio, you now have this ability to tell two stories or the same story two ways, right? right? So, like, you know, I, I'm sure, and I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but, like, the first time you heard, like, Sabotage by Beastie Boys just because it's an iconic video from when I grew up, you weren't thinking about, like, a cop chase, but now you can pair the two together and, and like, you know, how much do you think about what you want to put in a video or work with somebody else on either the story writing or the cinematography or something like that?
1: Well, as an artist, I don't think much of it. Um, at the time my manager kind of came up with the concept, the, the girl who worked on my creative team, she thought of the concept and then the, the videographer, but, um, some songs that I write that are personal, like one of the new songs I wrote, like I, I'm going to be part of that because I want to, the video to go kind of like the song mm. because they can t- take it in a whole different <laughs> direction and I, I'm not going to want that. I'm going to want to make it personal.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I think Taylor Swift does that a lot too. You can tell her songs, her vengeful songs for sure. Oh, <laughs> She's yeah. She's like, I need this boy, ex-boyfriend in the video. I mean, look at all her songs. They're they're so good and they they always have a story, you know?
0: So. Yeah admittedly I, I, uh, I could probably pick out Taylor Swift but I don't actively listen to her yeah uh, she's a great writer or the videos but it sounds like some that are really meaningful she takes more of a hand in yeah. producing because it's personal too yeah, yeah. Huh. you said you had a goal of Returning to the Grand Ole Opry is oh, that? Oh, I was just that,
1: going, not not returning. I never, I never performed.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. returning to Nashville to perform there.
1: Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to perform there. Um, whether it's you know, me writing songs for people or just performing my own songs, everyone's goal as a country singer is to go there. So.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. It just must be everyone's. Oh yeah. What is so special about it?
1: So it's literally like the. Fenway Park, of like, you know, it's that's what it is. It's that sacred space of, of where it all began. And, uh, you know, you have Johnny Cash on that stage, you have Patsy Klein on that stage. It's so uh-huh. iconic.
0: Standing where those people have stood.
1: Yeah. Huh. It's called Standing in the Circle.
0: Okay. So. So, where they built the new Yankee Stadium is right across the road from the old Yankee Stadium. I think they preserved the field to the old one. There's just no building around it. Oh wow! So you can actually like go stand on the mound at the old Yankee That's Stadium, crazy. and it just looks like a regular park, right? Like that you would just go. It's like I'm some...
1: glad they didn't take it down. Not that I'm a Yankee fan, but you know that is still a sacred space. So yeah,
0: well, I don't think there's much wrong with the old one. They just want to make something more expensive. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's how I would think about, like, standing in the same spot. Or, you know, I don't know. There's there's plenty of other places in the world where you can put your, like, you know, Plymouth Rock or whatever. Like, sta- yeah. standing in the circle, as you
2: said. Yeah,
1: and then there's the Ryman, which is supposedly haunted. Everybody says that all the country singers haunt it. I'm sure. Same as the Opry. It's so old, you know. Oh. Huh. So, that's another space I want to go to. So.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Okay the Ryman mm-hmm. huh.
1: the Ryman another sacred uh, they call it the mother church that's what it's called because okay. it was built in a church originally and then they made it into a music hall in like the early 1900s so
0: okay do they haunt it because it's a church and it has that <laughs> whole feel to it I
1: think just because they miss being famous I mean poor Patsy Cline died in a plane crash you know so you I know mean, she's in her 30s yeah sad things happen to country singers yeah. <laughs> Not gonna wonder nothing happens to me <laughs>
0: I always thought Patsy Klein. Well, here's just like how I grew up. I just thought Patsy Klein as like a an oldies singer, but I guess in the time of the oldies, it wasn't a genre.
1: She was she was country all the way, and they had country very popular then for sure. Mm. Oh. So that woman could sing. Oh my God! Didn't even use autotune. They didn't have it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <So>. they did. <laughs>
1: I mean, like people cannot sing like that anymore. She was insane.
0: So. Oh. I think I saw you had, like, you're filming uh, your video and you're riding a motorcycle, which is interesting because there's a green screen, and oh, yeah, it, yeah. it reminded me of this scene of, like, Keanu Reeves riding on a green screen, like, filming John Wick or something. Yeah. But you are a big motorcycle rider anyway, right?
1: Yeah, I love bikes. Yeah. So uh, we, we were doing a green screen because, side note, I'm in this Prague rock band, in new york city okay and we just started this year and uh i'm not signed with them or anything but i freelance as their singer at at some of the you know shows and we did a music video with them it's called etheria just a little fyi okay (laughs) and uh we were shooting i don't want to give give it away but we were on a green screen to make me look like i was somewhere else obviously so uh that was pretty fun faking like writing you know because you're not you're not moving on the green screen but you got to pretend like you're you know really moving so. yeah. but yeah um, I'm definitely into bikes uh, my dad had a ton growing up his brother had a ton and I was always told like don't get on the back of the bike with a guy mm-hmm. so I promised but he didn't say like don't get your own bike <laughs> <laughs> so I finally got my own bike last year I had the time and I took the course and I can't even like tell my dad like if he's listening now he just flips out it's just like when I had to tell him I was going on the military it's like this overprotective person <laughs> like, he just like why are you doing this you know so
0: yeah did you ride dirt bikes growing up no he wouldn't let me we, oh we so had he had a bunch of bikes yeah. but you've never been
1: no not have, oh we can't let the princess do this you can't touch guns so i'm learning guns when i'm 18 in the military because he we had a ton of guns growing up but oh, you can't touch this so here i am trying to learn i'm like all right dad you didn't help me <laughs> <laughs> my, my guns pointing in the dirt <laughs> like you know I mean literally I did stuff like that because I had no experience but I guess that's what overprotective people like they they, you know they don't know but I'm like dad I have your DNA like you know I'm going to like to shoot guns you know I'm going to want to ride bikes like what don't you get
2: yeah. you
1: know he's like the type of person that came to my prom like he's that kind of overprotective oh. he's, he, he he let go after I went to the military though he's like okay I can't control you <laughs> yeah so
0: maybe we breezed over this Way at the beginning, but what was that talk even like?
1: Oh, he he was a firefighter, and so he just you know he you know I was his, I was his oldest baby. I'm the only girl, so he just like he he like before he was going to work that night, he was in his like fireman uniform. He's like he like pushes me here, and he's like, "Don't do this to me, please do anything, just don't do this to me." And I'm like, "I already signed the papers, Dad," mm. and he's just like, you know, he he had to deal with it because. You know, he he was so controlling growing up. And it's just those people, you know, they have to kind of, like, relax. And, of course, my mom was, like, so mean to the recruiter. She didn't want – I had a girl recruiter. My mom was like, I don't want to see this. You know what? You know, because my parents just couldn't handle it. And we have military in the family. They just didn't want me to do it, um. which, you know, I understand. I wouldn't want, like, my little daughter doing that. But what am I going to say? Wanted to do it. And then once I was done, they were so proud. And, like, they totally changed. And they were at my – graduation and they were just so happy for me but originally it was the first baby like why are you doing this to us and now their youngest just is in the army now he's infantry in uh arlington virginia so
0: oh nice yeah any others join or or any else in your family and um yeah like
1: my uncle was in he was a pilot um my grandfathers were in you know and some people but you know I was only girl so i feel like it was hard for my parents
2: yeah they wanted
1: me to, you know, live a perfect little life, go to college, become a journalist, things that I never wanted to do. I'm like, Who came not, up with that? My mother, I'm not doing that. Okay. It's not me. <laughs> so there's,
0: there's a question we ask everybody who comes on the show, and it's probably appropriate to ask now, but who are you today if you never joined the military?
1: Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know because I was kind of like when you grow up in a family like that that's very controlling. Like it's either you go like crazy at college or you right. And I probably would have got a little bit crazy at college because I grew up in a very restrictive you know household. I think I would have kind of like partied a lot, maybe too much. Hmm. So I'm glad that I took the path I took because I I had some friends that you know got a little crazy in college and didn't and failed out. You know, so
2: yeah,
1: I would I didn't want to like test the waters and do that because I know myself too I'm very strong spirited and and very high energy so going from restrictive you know childhood then going into college sitting down and and dealing with more school after having 12 years of school you know who wants to do that I didn't want to do that
0: Mm -hmm. and then what if the guitar never came in the mail
1: I think I would have gotten my hands on one at some point, but that was just so, I mean, I just have headaches every day from everyone knows deployments, how hard they are. You know, either you go to the gym or you do something to just relax and you can't have alcohol. So that guitar really saved me from the headaches and the stress and everything.
0: Yeah. Are you still singing today? Do you find a, do you find a way to do that?
1: Who knows? Who knows what could have happened? Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to test fate. I know that. Because yeah, I, I knew myself. You know, you got to know yourself. I knew, like, okay, if I go to college, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Because I didn't want to go. You can't force kids to do stuff they don't want to do. You
0: know? Okay. My, my other buddy, Brad, plays in a heavy metal band. We, yeah. asked, we asked him, what are the best heavy metal songs about war? And uh, uh, we threw out a, a couple and discussed them what are the best country songs about war? I was going to say about patriotism, but we all know that it's Lee Greenwood. No. <laughs> no that's something I would say.
2: Yeah.
0: So best, like, authentic and sincere country, either artists, songs that make, like, patriotism and, and you know, combat, military, all that kind of stuff that work in, like, a sincere way.
1: I'm thinking, hold on. What is it called?
0: Because like when I hear Toby Keith, like uh, American Soldier, I'm just like. uh
1: What is it? Please it's, no. It's, it's Tim McGraw. Letter. What is it called? Letter? I forgot. It's something. Letter.
0: I don't know.
1: Let me think. Hold on. Let me think. <laughs> yeah. It's give me. Give me a lifeline. <laughs> something about letter and then I do like heavy metal because I told you I'm in that other prog band so yeah. um, Amaranthi has a song called 82nd Airborne have you heard it no yeah it's a great song so you should look that up oh okay letter from home by John Michael Montgomery that's a good one okay if you're reading this by Tim McGraw best, if you're best this best song best song really if you're reading this so good look it up oh such a good song and somebody somebody was on American Idol a few years ago and like sang it and it was still good <laughs> Yeah. I already found
0: it. You, you failed the lifeline. <laughs> Thank you. I was, uh, last episode I didn't mention, but I was going to say The Trooper by uh, Iron Maiden. It's oh, nice. like very yeah. uh a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very graphic, but uh, like the pace keeps you charged up, makes you imagine that you're, it's uh, like written from the point of view of like a dying British soldier in the yeah, yeah, Revolutionary yeah. War. So I imagine myself as the other guy. <laughs>
1: And Metallica has a good one too. I forgot what it was called, but one. yeah,
0: yeah, they have it's, good stuff. It's uh, this book Johnny Got His Gun, which they made into a movie. Which they banned the book and the movie during wartime because it's like strictly you know anti-war. And, wow, um, it's like uh, it's a pretty horrible book to read if you're if you're young and thinking about joining the military. But I wish
1: I did know. <laughs> I, I heard that song the other day when we were doing the Prague stuff. And my brothers are like, you never heard this song? I was like, no, but if I heard it when I was younger, I never would have joined the military. It's Metallica song.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it was probably one. Yeah. The, I mean, the lyrics are, you know, they're inspired by the book. So if you, you ever get a chance to read it, I think it's a pretty quick read. But, he listened uh, to all
1: that stuff, so that's why he didn't join. <laughs> I didn't listen to that stuff when I was a kid. I should have.
0: Oh. Well, I think we all listened to it and yeah. still joined.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. You guys.
0: <laughs> we had a, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 one of our guests, a buddy Steve, he said, you know, when they were when they were doing the initial invasion, their commander was like, "We're expecting to take twenty five percent casualties," and they all hoot and holler, and they're like, "Hell yeah!" You know, because it makes you hard. But yeah. um, no, that's how stupid we can be when we're young.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Huh? Before we you know get out of here, anything that we didn't cover today about like what you're doing now, you know, what you've done so far, what's coming out, anything like that. We want to give you a chance, of course, to do any like plugs and stuff. And we'll put that in the show notes too.
1: Sure. So I have a new album coming out. We're not sure if we're going to do the whole thing or just do a single here and there, but that's what I'm recording now. So that'll be out in the summer sometime. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's definitely different than anything I've ever done. So I'm excited for that. And there'll be a video too, probably July.
0: And then if people want to listen to you or, or, you know, see online or, or anything like that. What's the easiest way?
1: So, you can go to jennygracemusic.com and you can go to Jenny Grace Official on Instagram. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but Freedom Jam USA is in September and I'm singing the anthem there. So, wow. it's a new thing that started in 2020. It's called Freedom Jam and they have like five different country acts come out to play. So,
0: what uh you said Missouri? Yeah, Missouri. Like uh is this where they film Ozark?
1: <laughs> I think it's uh it's it's like an amphitheater. I have to look up the town, but um like middle of Missouri somewhere. So okay. yeah, the guy started it in twenty twenty, Brian and uh really good cause and they had like a couple thousand people, so hmm. in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty
0: one. So how many times have you sung the anthem?
1: <laughs> a million.
0: A million, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean it's just and then I, I did it the other day for national billiards league it's like the sporting team and they um i was like do i remember it? i had to go through it because it's been so long since i've sang it you know so yeah
2: because that's that's easy
1: to mess up that song yeah. i can see people why they mess it up you know yeah
0: well so. it's a poem it's not a song yeah we and just, we just sing a poem
1: yeah and it's it's all over the place with the range too so yeah yeah so that's it um thank you for having me though and uh hopefully we will uh, talk again
0: yeah. Oh, one last question. Is Kid Rock a country singer?
1: <laughs> no,
0: he's his own genre. He's his own genre. Yes, 100%. Undefinable.
1: I I can't define it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> but he's still
0: good. Awesome. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, Born Free is like my favorite Kid Rock song. I know it was on like Wrangler Jeans commercial, but I like the song.
1: He's got a, he's got a honky tonk bar in uh, Nashville
0: too. Yeah, it's stuff. great. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's great to meet you, Dave. Thanks for coming too. Uh, it's great to meet you as well. Nice to meet you. Nice too. To- yeah. And we wish you the best, and and uh, you know if we can make it to a show, we'll come out and see you. Let us know when you're down in the city. For sure. And uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for you, and, and definitely stay in touch, keep tabs. All right. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much i a more perfect night
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Thank You Now What A podcast about life after service Be on the lookout for Jenny on stage, on tour Or watch out for her new album and video coming out this summer Maybe even catch her at the Freedom Jam Check out today's show notes for more ways to check her out If you're new to our show, please head over to our website thankynowwhat.com Or follow us on Instagram at ThankYouNowWhat Use the PayPal or the Patreon to uh, join up and be part of the club. As always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, follow, and join us next time on Thank You Now What? In
1: the Moonlight.